Wherever cancer is, Hancock Health will fight. In any part of you and in all corners of East Central Indiana. From Indianapolis to Greenfield to Knightstown to Rushville. From hospital rooms to family rooms, we fight. With technology and medicine. With care backed by the wisdom of Mayo Clinic. For you, for your family, and for your future in Rush County. We fight cancer here. HancockHealth.org slash cancer. Welcome to The First Day, the WIBC Sunday Magazine Show. We're brought to you by Greg Cooper and Lisa Phillips. They're real estate consultants with Crossroads Collective at Compass Realty. Denny, how do you find them? Uh, you found them at CrossroadsCollectiveHomes.com. That's it. And HoosierHomeValues2003.com. There you go. That's Denny Smith. Good morning. Hi. I'm Terry Stacy. Kylan Talley's here producing the show. Good morning. Hello, Happy Angel. Independence Day weekend. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think it's this weekend instead of next weekend. Yeah. No, you're right. 100%. Oh, this week. uh, you know, this year we're celebrating, the country is celebrating 247 years. And as divided as it seems that we are, and even with our problems, there's no place I'd rather live. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. There's uh, no place else like this. On Friday, I went to the Independence Day naturalization ceremony at oh, President Benjamin you got Harrison to go? Home. Love it. At the Benjamin Harrison Home. Tradition. So beautiful. I do it every year. Took Kylan last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a good way for me to start the holiday, watching people from all over the world become American citizens. It reminds me just how lucky we are to have been born here. I know there's a lot of problems. You just heard in the news. It's another dreadful night. Uh, but nearly 100 people born in countries all over the world with American flags in hand given to them by the American children and then took the oath to become an American citizen. Judge Sarah Evans Barker presided over the ceremony like she does every year. And Rabbi Dennis Sasso was the keynote speaker. For almost 50 years, he has helped people in his congregation at Congregation Bethel Zedek. I know you know his name. And uh, also through just central Indiana, through acts that have earned him such honors as Sagamore of the Wabash and the NAACP, their Community Service Award. Here is what he had to say to Indiana's newest citizens. This is a very emotional moment for me because as you stand here today, I was privileged to stand, as Judge Barker has indicated, 36 years ago to take the oath of citizenship. You come from many different places, have different skin tones, eye shapes, hair textures, temperaments, and lifestyles. All different, all one all citizens of the United States of America. Inscribed on the great seal of our nation are the words in Latin, e pluribus unum, out of the many, one. Oneness does not mean the negation of differences. Oneness affirms and transcends diversity. Oneness is a confirmation of our common humanity. With Native American origins, ours has become a nation of immigrants. Tens of millions of Americans today are descendants 
of those who have come seeking asylum and refuge, who have arrived in search of the opportunities that America promises. I stand with you as a Jew, a member of a people who has suffered dispersion and persecution over many centuries. Our first president, George Washington, assured my early ancestors in this country that America will give to bigotry no sanction, to persecution no assistance. And I stand with you as a Hispanic, born and raised in Panama. My family had lived in the Caribbean for generations, expelled from Europe because of oppressive politics and religious fanaticism. Here I received a valuable education, married and found the joys of family life. As an immigrant, a naturalized citizen, I welcome you to this noble experiment, the United States of America. As Judge Barker has indicated, we are living through challenging times of transition and change. These are times of political discord, of war and displacement, of climate change, of religious and racial prejudice, of social and economic adjustments. As citizens, we take an oath of allegiance, as you have done, to the Constitution, assuming the rights and the privileges it confers, along with its duties and obligations. Our Constitution begins with the words, we the people. We the people. This is a revolutionary statement. It is the heart of democracy. The rule of the people, by the people, for the people. The framers of the Constitution did not presume to write a perfect document. As precious as the Constitution itself is, the principle of constitutionalism, which allows our democracy to grow and respond to every generation's needs to make America, if not a perfect union, a perfectible union. You are now partners in that enterprise. And that is what citizenship and patriotism are all about. Holding ourselves responsible and mutually accountable for the destiny of our nation. E pluribus unum, out of the many, one. May the promise of this day be fulfilled through you and for all who come to these United States in search of the blessings of freedom, of justice, and of peace, of life, of liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Happy 4th of July, welcome home, congratulations, and thank you. 
Oh my goodness! Isn't I could listen good? to him. So, and I think he's retired now. I was from just going to say, I heard that he was going to retire. Yeah, Rabbi Dennis Sasso, and he—I've seen him speak at many events, and he is just—he kept captures my attention. I mean, I hang on every word. He is amazing. And congratulations to all on this Independence Day holiday. Coming up, Denny Smith introduces us to someone else that is living the American dream as we continue on 93 WIBC. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Fourth of July from WIBC. First day, your WIBC Fourth of July edition. We're getting close. I'm Kylan Talley. We have Terry Stacy here and Denny Smith, of course. Good morning, Kyle. It's upon us again this year, and thousands of immigrants are repeating the oath of allegiance and naturalization to the United States to become citizens. Each year on the Fourth of July, I call an old friend whose family came from the Philippines in the mid 70s. She was just five years old when her mother and father left her and her siblings with grandparents in the Philippines and then headed for a new life in the United States. The kids came over two years later after the parents were established. And that's where we're going to pick up the story with my old friend, Carolyn Lawrence, who joins us now. Carolyn, thanks for joining me today to tell your story. Thanks for having me, Denny. You bet. Carolyn, so let's start the story in 1977 when you joined your mom and dad here in the United States. Where were they living when you arrived? In North Wilkesboro, North Carolina. Okay. Now, what type of work did your parents have as immigrants? They had come over from the Philippines. What did they do when they got here? They found factory work when they came here. My dad worked in a furniture company, and my mom sewed for a company called Modern Globe, which did intimate apparel for women. Okay. Did your parents stay with those jobs until they retired? My mother did, and my father did not. He went on to office work after several years of being in a factory work. All right. So you were seven years old, essentially a second grader by age, when you came over. Did you speak any English at the time? I did not. I knew two words, which were yes and no, um, as the definition, and understood a little bit of English, but just couldn't speak it. All right. So you knew the Philippine dialect of Tagalog? Yes. All right. So you were seven years old, essentially a second grader. How did you learn to speak English? How long did it take you to become fluent enough to understand the spoken word? Well, I understood the spoken word way before I could speak it. I did have to go into a private room during school time. I would be in classrooms with everyone else. And then for, I think, approximately an hour a day, I would be in a private room in the dark with a protection screen with pictures on the screen. I had headphones on that would tell me what the picture was, how to spell what the picture was and how to say it in English and really learned English with friends that would talk to me and, you know, with my teachers. I just had to learn how to to speak it, per se. You know, they always say kids can learn English better 
at a young, young age than parents could. Did your mom and dad, did they become fluent in English? No, they did, but not as fluent or the they understood proper English. So the slang was a little bit more challenging for them because, you know, I would come home from school, I would speak to them in English, they would try to speak to me in Tagalog. I wouldn't allow that, so they would have to learn English through being forced to speak me or others if we went to the grocery store and such. But um, it was very difficult for them to learn it with conversational English. Got it. All right. I mentioned that I call you on the 4th of July every year, but I didn't say why. Mm -hmm. It's your birthday. And and what did your parents tell you about the 4th of July since it was your birthday, too? What did they tell you? Well, I can recall my mom sending little cassettes that I could listen to so I could hear her voice when I was in the Philippines and that my birthday was celebrated. I cannot remember if she told me why it was celebrated, that I, but I knew that it was. By the time we were in, my brother, my sister, and I were in the U.S. and my first birthday in the U.S., my dad had said he was, for my birthday, he was going to take me because there were all these fireworks that were going to be for me for my birthday. Oh, boy. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only a dad could get away with that. That's pretty good. Yeah, unbeknownst to me, which I thought was great that he said it. I was a little disappointed when this little boy said, no, this is for America. And I, of course, went to my dad and said, yeah, this kid told me that this was not for me. This was for America. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, <laughs> Carolyn, kind of- it, it was for both of you. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> now, your mom, now, your mom had dual citizenship with the Philippines and the United States both, but your dad was Filipino. How did he become, or when did he become a citizen? He became a citizen in 1986, 85, 86. It was a pretty long process to go through... To, be a, to become a citizen of the U.S. or to be naturalized, which my brother, my sister, and I were naturalized in 86 as well. All right, so you were 15, 16 years old, something like that? That's correct. Did you stand up with your, with your dad at that time? Your mom was already a citizen. Did you stand up with your dad and take the oath with him at that time? I, we did. Oh, how cool. Now, Carolyn, you've been a very successful manager and businesswoman, and you were one emotionally strong woman. But how was childhood when you didn't look the same as the other kids? Childhood for me was pretty tough until I realized there that it wasn't me. It wasn't a, it wasn't a personal thing, but of course it, that took a few years realizing that people were giving me certain looks or maybe saying certain things because of how I looked, not because of who I was. Was the assimilation process better in grade school or in high school when it came to blending in as just another kid? Was it easier in grade school or in high school? Were there other challenges? I think that it was easier in high school because I had grounding of who I was. I knew English. I could dress just like everyone else. I was losing my accent already, you know, not the broken English type conversational speaking to someone. I could just be fluent in that. I I did a really good job blending in, actually. Now, Carolyn, you told me a story once when you had a job as a teenager as a server in a restaurant. And if I remember the story, it was a customer asking you about your heritage. Uh, I think you call it the knees story. Can you share that with all of us again about the knees? (laughs) I certainly can. I was a server at a restaurant and I was serving two couples, an older couple and a middle-aged couple. And as I'm pouring their wine to taste, the older lady had asked me what type of knees I was. What type of knees? Yes, that's what I saw. What type of knees? And I was, you know, in my head thinking, what is she asking? As I looked to the younger couple, hoping that they would help me understand the question a little bit better because I have never been asked that question before. 
they also looked at me as if, you know, what kind of names are you? <laughs> and the older lady proceeded to say, you know, are you Japanese or Chinese? And I was like, oh, my gosh, you know. But I proceeded to tell them I was from the Philippines. That wasn't any. <laughs> Bless your heart. You you really are a strong woman. And now I'm beginning to understand why. You go through some trials and tribulations when you're young. And without self-confidence, it could destroy you. But Carolyn, you've, you've never been short of, of self-confidence. Carolyn, do you have a perspective of what America is like now when it comes to assimilation and prejudice issues that might be different from when you were a kid? Oh, yes. I, I believe that it has changed a lot since I was a kid. If nothing more, you see more cultural communities around, which wasn't around back in 1979. Um I think that kids are more accepting and can understand the differences, not just the physical appearance doesn't make a person. Well said. Now, Carolyn, you're a mother of a bunch of kids now and even four grandkids. First of all, what do they call you as grandmother? Lola. (laughs) Okay, what does Lola mean? It means grandmother in Tagalog, which is our native language. Oh, how cool. All right, so how old are the grandkids? We have an eight-year-old a three-year-old and two two-year-olds. You know what? You're going to have to tell them these stories. It'll, oh, make, yeah. it'll make them stronger and make them really appreciate their Lola for sure. Carolyn, I got one last question. Besides your birthday, what's the 4th of July, you know, America's Independence Day? What's it mean to you now as an adult? It means to me the freedom that we have as a nation that other countries do not have. It means to be integrated as one to me, to have the opportunities and the life that one would dream of that come true here. I think that was the dream of your mom and dad. Are they still in North Carolina, Carolyn? We actually just moved my parents to Indiana with us a year ago. Oh, wonderful. So they're not working. They're retired now. They are both retired, thank goodness, yes. And they are great-grandparents, so they get to see the great-grandkids. How wonderful. Oh, it's beautiful. It's It's a beautiful beautiful experience, yes. Well, Carolyn, the 4th of July is coming up. Just like your daddy, I'm going to tell you that we celebrate the 4th of July for you. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not kidding, Carolyn. We celebrate it because of people like you, who, whether they came of their own volition or because mom and dad sent for them. But kiddo, you're a survivor and you're a good one. I'm so proud to know that, that you're an American citizen just like me. And we've got more in common than we, we ever had in difference. So thanks for joining me today. You have a good birthday and a blessed 4th of July, okay? Thank you, Denny. You as well. What a beautiful thing. What a beautiful thing. Love that story. She told me a story. She went back to the Philippines with one of her daughters, and she said as soon as the plane landed and the door opened, the smell from the Philippines, she remembered it immediately. It's very humid, and it's it's a different type of smell, a little bit of forest, a little bit of farmland, and a whole lot of humidity. She goes... Then I started remembering all the smells when we got to my grandmother's house. So it, it was a very touching Smells interview. are amazing. They I are. mean, they can make you remember in a second something that you hadn't thought about in decades. Yeah. Uh, great interview, Denny. Thank you so much. You it bet. is 1020 or 1129. Kylan, do we have any trending stories or anything yeah. you want to talk about? Well, you were mentioning the smell of things. And personally... One of my favorite things is smelling fireworks. I just the smell of it <laughs> in the air. I know, I know, it's probably weird. It's okay, I like gasoline. I like it, and just seeing it, beautiful. It's wait, gasoline. gasoline? What's the matter with All you? Right. Let's Moving go back on. to the sulfur, <laughs> sulfur and phosphorus. I like skunks. Right. So instead of trending stories, I'm going to share some events happening around Indy oh, that good. you can get free fireworks. So the main one. 
of course, is Downtown Indy 4th Fest, presented by UA Local 440. And that is going to be also simulcasted here with Radio 1 stations right here on WIBC. You can hear the patriotic music that the fireworks are going to be synced to. So you can watch them explode and be all these beautiful colors synced to these songs. And the festival begins at 6 o'clock. It's going to be on North Street between Meridian Street and Pennsylvania. And then the fireworks will begin around 10 o'clock. And the viewing is best at Indiana War Memorial Grounds and American Legion Mall in that area. Obviously, you can get a little bit here and there, but that's going to be your best place. And then you can also see some fireworks at the Indians game that night. The gates open at 5.30 for the game. The game will be approximately 6.30 to 9.30 and then fireworks right after that last out. And then you can get some fireworks there. If you don't want to go to the game, you can probably see them from outside the stadium. Probably though. can. Because I have. That's <laughs> yeah. right. Me let, too. let the record show. UA440. That's my brother's uh, plumbers, steam fitters, HVAC oh. service tech. That's the plumbers, guys. Good deal. They've got yeah. our back. Appreciate them. <laughs> Appreciate them for sure. All right, coming up, Kylan, you had a chance to talk to uh, Indiana's R- own oh. baby face. Our very own. Yep, yeah. the R&B artist. He's, he's a, great. He's performing on the 4th of July. You'll hear where when we return to the first day on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm thankful for you. And you might recognize that voice. That's Babyface right there. <laughs> yeah, coming to your waves right here on WIBC. First day with Terry Stacy. I'm Kylan Talley, and the Capital Fourth is right around the corner. That is the highest rated program on PBS that brings you a 4th of July celebration for your Independence Day. And it's going to be hosted by the actor, TV director, dancer, Broadway star, yeah, all of it, Alfonso Ribeiro. He'll be a great host, but even better the features on it. There are going to be so many different artists. You've got Chicago, Boys to Men, Renee Fleming, so many others, but the one I'm excited about is this guy right here, Babyface, our own Indianapolis Grammy Award winning singer, songwriter, and record producer. He will be performing with, again, Capital Fourth. That's going to be on PBS on Tuesday, July 4th, 8 to 9.30 p.m. And you can find that at www.pbs.org slash a capital fourth. And you can go stream that. But we are going to talk with Babyface. He's joining us right here. For those of you who don't know Babyface, Babyface, can you give me just, I know it's hard, but a brief rundown of your background? Like I'm obviously from Indianapolis. I went to Dark Central High School. I started in music at a very early age and was in music throughout elementary and junior high and high school and was part of the choirs. I was always had a little band, and I basically kind of just always stayed in music and, and started out in Indianapolis in a group called Manchild. Mm-hmm. Then I left then I left uh, Indianapolis and joined a group called The Deal. Then I ultimately became a producer and a writer uh, for a number of other things. And throughout the years, I just wrote a lot of songs and get, was very blessed and had, had a great career so far. It's been a, a wonder just watching from the sidelines. And then being able to be one of the features in this program, a capital fourth, what are you looking forward to most for for this event? I'm looking forward to uh, actually just performing with the National Symphony Orchestra, uh, you know, to, to do, it, do it live. And so when you can feel those instruments right there with you and, and the choir, that's a great feeling when you're performing with that. And, and you don't 
I don't get to do that that, that often with orchestras to be in the first place. So, and to do it with the National Symphony Orchestra, that's that's even better. Um, we'll be doing America the Beautiful, which I was able to do with I did it with my guitar and then it with a pre-recorded track. But this time it's live with an orchestra, so it's going to be. Um, I think it's going to be very emotional. And then I'm also doing the second song, "Change the World," with the orchestra as well. And I don't, I'm, I don't do that either that often. So um, it's a unique experience for me um, in general. It's going to be live from Washington D.C. Have you been to D.C. before? Yes. Are you looking forward to anything with being there in person? Well, I think that you know, just the the way that it looks, period, just performing in front of the Capitol. Washington D.C. is probably one of our um, most beautiful cities in terms of the the look of it, and with all the all the monuments and just the buildings in, in general, it uh, has a lot of history there, and you can see it when you walk down the street. So it's a beautiful background for all these musicians for this music. Um, it should be a great night. There's other people that are performing, and you know, I'm looking forward to performing uh, with I'm not performing with them, but sharing stage with Voice the Man as well in Chicago, which I grew up listening to. And, so it's going to be a great night, I think. Mm-hmm. One of my first introductions, besides my mom listening to you growing up, I went to the University of Indianapolis, and one time we were at Denny's, and I think it was your family celebrating one of your most recent accomplishments. Just It was a few years ago, but your family is super supportive, as it seems, of you. At this point, you kind of like what happens in your family if, if someone does something, you know, that's not of the norm. And, you know, when we were growing up in Indianapolis, I had a cousin that played with the Pacers. His name was Bobby Joe Edmonds. And we were so proud because, you know, he was uh, on the team. He was doing well on the team. And it was just fun to see this famous cousin, famous mm-hmm. to us at this point. So it's always great to see someone in your family, you know, go on and do other things. And, you know, I also have my brother, uh, in seven, who's done very well as well. So, it's, um, you know, you kind of share that spot. I'm panning a little bit to just a live force, because whenever I'm talking to someone about this, it's kind of fun to see the different perspectives. For you, you've had some traditions throughout the years, and you've gone through a whole lot. What does July 4th and freedom mean to you, especially as coming up celebrating this? Well, I think July 4th in general is when we were growing up, July 4th was always a celebration of family coming together. And, uh, you know, you do the barbecue and all your cousins, uncles and aunts would come over and you end up the night with sparklers, running around the orange with sparklers. I think that um, for the most part, we've all taken our freedom for granted many times. We don't realize that, you know, all the uh, sacrifices that have happened throughout the years for us to live the life that we live. So, you know, every now and then you have to stop and take pause and think about that and appreciate it. I will speak for Indy saying that we appreciate you, Babyface, everything that you do, from the music programs, from even just the pride that you have in this town. Thank you. With our last minute, is there anything that you'd like to say to our listeners who are from your hometown, Indianapolis? I think the, the main thing is, is I am proud to be performing on you know, in the Capitol and, and representing Indianapolis, and I'll try to represent it in the best way I can. Thank you so much again.
That was Grammy Award-winning singer, songwriter, record producer, and Hoosier, Babyface. He will be performing America the Beautiful and Change the World on the 43rd annual edition of A Capital Fourth. That's America's National Independence Day celebration on PBS on July 4th from 8 to 9.30 p.m. You can stream it on YouTube or on PBS's website. That's pbs.org slash a-capital-fourth. I hope you are able to go and support the very talented Babyface, Indianapolis's own. Great job. Great job, Kylan Talley. It is 1144. We've got some bright skies in downtown Indianapolis. This is the First Day Show. We're brought to you by Greg Cooper and Lisa Phillips with Crossroads Collective. They're real estate consultants with Crossroads uh, Crossroads. Crossroads Collective. Crossroads Collective, thank you. Uh, listen, are they here? They are. Oh, I'm so glad. Both I didn't know maybe if we'd have to take a break, but they're both here today. Ooh, I'm so happy. Hello, Greg Cooper. Hello there. Hello, Lisa Phillips. Hello. Halfway, Good morning. Good morning. Thanks, guys, for joining us this morning. Halfway through 2023, we're going to find out what's in store for Central Indiana, Indiana housing market for the second half of the year. And, Lisa, I'll start with you. Uh, kind of summarize where we've been in terms of housing for the last six months of the year. Were you surprised at what's happened? Well, I think we were expecting kind of January 1st, a kind of hangover from fourth quarter, which meant that we were going to be stagnant. And we saw that buyers that maybe missed out on multiple offer houses in 2022 came out in full force to buy because there wasn't the competition that they had to deal with last year. So it really came out really strong. Greg, uh, I spend the mornings every morning taking a look at lumber futures and copper, and I'm always worried about what's going on ahead of us. Where do you think the second half of the year is going to trend in terms of sales and interest rates and actually the supply of homes for sale? Well, those, those lumber futures, Denny, thank you for flying your nerd flag, first of all. Yeah, there you go. We love you for that. Starts at 4 o'clock in the morning, brother. Oh, my brother. gosh. I'm happy you yeah. got it out. flying right out over the circle. So here's where I think we're headed. We're, if, if things are going to take a little bit of a breather, you know, generally speaking, Indiana, July and August can be a little bit slower months for the reasons that people who want to be in school by a certain point have probably already made their purchases. That does not mean the housing market is going to go away. It just means it's going to be a little bit different dynamic as we head through the end of the year. The sales will continue. We won't see, you know, five and six and seven offers on many houses like we did see early in the year. Things will continue to progress, but it means that buyers and sellers will have to enter the second half of the year in a little bit different mindset. All right. That's did that satisfy you, Denny? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> Quit well, Lisa, it, Terry Lynn. Lisa, are there price points or areas that will be the strongest in the next couple or next few months? I think that we all believe that if you are a house that has is moving ready, updated, has the amenities that the buyer wants for that price point, you are going to be sold within minutes. Now, if you have warts, as Greg always says, you are not going to move. You're just going to be more traditional days on the market, which right now you could be looking at over 30 days for sure. All right. So, Greg, what are going to be the challenged uh, price points, the ones that are really going to oh, maybe linger a little bit longer? Which ones are those? So we have fewer buyers, the higher prices you go across the city in any geography, Denny. So the bottom line is that as you are a more expensive home, as you go into the four and five and six and seven hundred thousand dollar properties and up beyond that, you're going to have to be absolutely market ready. As Lisa said, you're going to have to have a great kitchen and a great owner suite and great curb appeal. Those are musts if you're going to get done with leverage and at the best dollar value. That's really the point we need to start at. Are you truly ready to meet the demands of the market, or are you just slapping it up there without doing the right prep work? A lot of people got away with that in the first six months, 
fewer will do so in the second half of this year. I've got a question. Kylan, do it. You mentioned school earlier, and right now all of my friends are either looking for apartments, looking for homes, looking for anything, because this is, I feel like, the time for change. And so with that, Lisa, for home buyers, would they be better off trying to purchase in the second half of the year right now or wait until the next year, 2024? Oh, good question. I am a big fan of mostly central Indiana. If you can time it right, the third and fourth quarter is your best opportunity for maybe to get that bargain or maybe just to get the house you want with less competition. Traditionally, everyone, it, it's a thing. It's very like, wait until next year. Next year starts January 1st, which is why, you know, it's not, spring is really not May. Spring market is March. So if you have the ability to save some money and purchase third and fourth quarter, that's your best opportunity. All right, Greg. So based on what Lisa said, if you're a home seller, what's the most important thing for you to remember in the third and fourth quarter of this year? Well, you may have been able to take advantage of a, a huge demand surge in the spring. It will be less so at all price points as we go through the second half of the year. If you, the front of your house is not market ready, if you've still got Christmas decorations up, Santa's just not coming July, guys. What's wrong with I mean, we, we, would, we would love to see Santa in the warm weather. Santa does not come in July. So if you've got the Christmas decorations still up, you might want to consider boxing those if you're going to put your home on the market. A little bit of fresh mulch and some fresh flowers to start with. Get your house ready to go. Staging is the word for the second half of 2023. Oh, okay. Staging. That's the word. All right. Uh, listen, guys, thank you so very much. If you are buying, if you are selling, if you just have questions, this this duo is who you need to talk to. Real Estate Consultants with Crossroads Collective at Compass Realty, Greg Cooper, and also Lisa Phillips. And check out their websites, which are, you can find them on social media, but also go to CrossroadsCollectiveHomes.com and Hoosier Home Values with an S, 2023.com. We'll talk to you all next week. Thanks for joining us this morning. It's 1150 on 93 WIBC. And there's a bell that still echoes the price that it costs to be free. It is 11.53, 75 degrees and mostly cloudy skies, but they're pretty blue skies out there, which you can see through the clouds. Terry Stacy, along with Danny Smith. Good morning. Hi. Hi. Kylan Talley's here. Happy 4th of July. Jack yeah. is here. Happy 4th of July to you, too. <laughs> Jack is here learning. Uh, kind of cool. If you went to one of the Savannah Bananas games, don't you I love that group? Over the weekend, it was sold out so quickly. Sold out so quickly. But the Savannah Bananas brought the 2023 Banana Ball World <laughs> Tour to Victory Field, uh, and it they love us here. Is what they're saying because well, it's they sold field in Indy. Eighteen thousand <gasps> tickets in like yeah. less than a half hour. Well, listen to this. Indy drew the biggest Savannah banana, biggest crowds ever. You know what they do is they they're get happy. A, the they biggest, get a, biggest. They get a baby seen. from the crowd. A baby from the crowd. A mother. They talk a mother into giving up the child. They put him in a banana costume, <laughs> and they put him in this in so the center, and they're dancing and they're they're doing their thing, and then all of a sudden, one of the guys lifts the baby high in the air, uh-huh. and the crowd goes wild. Yeah, like Lion King. <laughs> it's like that's exactly. Exactly right. It's hilarious. It's pretty so cool. Uh, I would imagine they will come back again someday. They're very happy. <clears throat> I spoke with I Emily so. Cole, who is the co-owner. Young young woman. She and her husband. Is he the one that wears kids. the yellow the yeah. yellow uh, tuxedo? Yep. And I was going to play it today because it's a great American story, but I'll wait till next week. We'll wait until next week. We've got so many good things happening here on the show. We've got um, Brigadier, Brigadier General 
uh, Stuart, Stuart Goodwin. Goodwin is going to be drop, dropping by here in the next hour. Um, you've never met somebody as patriotic. I have never met somebody as patriotic as Passionate. this man. And uh, we will talk to him coming up in the next half hour. Also, Denny had a conversation with a great American hero before he passed away, Chuck Yeager. It was a couple years ago. What a great human being. Yep. You know, I didn't realize he died on Pearl Harbor Remembrance Day. Yes, he did. In 2020. He was a great guy. I almost didn't get that interview because the guys that interviewed him ahead of me insulted him. And he said, I'm never going to do another radio interview. And it had not been for Mike Thompson mm, really breaking friend. through. And then we talked to him and talked to him and said, Chuck, we're just going to make you, you know, I give you an opportunity yeah. to tell your story. Let so, you talk. Yeah, Let was, you talk. What a good guy. Real good guy. And we will uh, hear that conversation because it is Independence Day weekend celebrations are going on. And um, he is, he was and will remain a true American hero. So you'll hear that conversation, which is a good one when we return. Um Oh, yeah, let's listen to this. Let's just listen to this before we head into the newsroom. Keeping it easy. Yeah. Thanks for joining us on the first day.